You're listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the Internet to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web shapes popular opinion, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com. Slate.com reporter Chris Wilson goes on the record online. You know, certainly if, if I were to call, say, the Department of Defense and say, Hi, my name is Chris Wilson, and I'm here with Wikipedia, or I'm here with Helium.com, or you know, I'm, I'm reporting for for you know Chris Wilson at Blogspot.com. Um, no one's going to take me seriously. No one's going to call me back. No one's going to give me good information. Um, so there, you know, I'm, I'm confident that that will still be around. You know, whether on the other hand. Um, you know, the sort of fourth estate is is the kind of go-to first source for all general knowledge. You know, if it ever was, it probably won't be as much in the future. Hi, everybody. It's Eric Schwartzman uh, here, the chairman and founder of iPress Room, managing director of Schwartzman and Associates. Uh, and this is another episode of On the Record Online. Um, this is the podcast that brings you the story behind the story. That's what we do here. We try to uncover how... Uh, how things become stories, uh, either in the mainstream media, in new media, or via word of mouth. Um, what is the genesis of a story, of an idea, of buzz? Uh, that's what we're all about. And um, that's what we're going to bring you today in a one-on-one interview with Slate.com reporter Chris Wilson, who wrote a story, very interesting story, um, just this week called The Wisdom of the Chaperones, Dig Wikipedia and the Myth of Web 2.0 Democracy basically argues that it is not edited by the wisdom of the crowd, but rather the wisdom of the chaperones. It uh, was a quite interesting story, and uh, if you get a chance to read it, uh, you might enjoy this podcast even more. Uh, but we're going to interview him about the story, ask him those questions so you can hear it here. Um, a couple things I do want to mention. Uh, if you um, are looking to uh, figure out how to integrate new media into your mainstream um, communications, marketing, or PR um, initiatives, I'm teaching a course for the Public Relations Society of America called the New Media PR Bootcamp. Uh, you can find out more information about that at uh, speaknewmedia.com. Also, uh, we're doing once a week a Meet the Media panel. Um, that's also uh, done uh, in association with the Public Relations Society of America. Last month we did business journalists. Next month we're going to do technology journalists. We've got the Wall Street Journal, we've got Forrester uh, Research, and we've got eWeek lined up. We may have someone from the New York Times. We'll see about that. And then in April, we're going to be doing entertainment reporters. And uh, you can get information on that and all the other speaking engagements, uh, including um, a new media PR boot camp, which I'm going to teach in Singapore for the PR Academy. Uh, That's going to be May 19th and 20th um, in Singapore. And you can get information about all those dates and all those um, professional development opportunities at www.schwartzmanpr.com. One one of the hallmarks of this podcast is that we we play the interviews unedited. Uh, The idea is not to try to manipulate the truth, but to provide transparency into, you know, what was really said. So we're not editing stuff. We're not trying to, you know, turn stuff around. We're giving you what was said on the record online. And uh, we are going to play for you now the 20-minute interview with Chris Wilson after this. Don't be left behind. Get the latest online PR tools and services from iPress Room. Powerful, easy to use, available on demand. 
Extend your sphere of influence online with iPressroom, tools for online media centers, virtual private press rooms, RSS news feeds, podcasts, and more at www.ipressroom.com. iPressroom, always on, even when you're off. Chris Wilson, thank you so much for joining us. Sure, thank you. So I was so intrigued when I saw this story that you just uh, wrote for Slate Magazine, uh, The Wisdom of the Chaperones, which reveals a, I guess, a little-known, dirty little secret about Wikipedia and Dig, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I think, certainly uh, little-known among the general readership. It's, uh, as I say in the article, it's not, you know, overwhelmingly new news to those uh, kind of the slash dot reading crowd, if you will. And, and what is the news? I mean, what 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 is the dirty little secret? Well, it's just that um, many of these social media sites, as we call them, where uh, user-generated content sites, um, that very much purport to uh, kind of aggregate the experience and opinions of a huge group of people uh, into a coherent product, and, you know, that I think the, the prime examples being sites like Wikipedia or Dig, um, that, in fact, they are largely driven by an extremely small percentage of the users who have an extremely weighty influence. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a situation where, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, that this is a horrible thing, but it's certainly something that we should um, be aware of and, and uh, you know, think about when we're, when we're looking at these sites. So are you saying that, um, you know, Wikipedia and Dig are not an accurate representation of, I guess, the wisdom of, of the online crowd? Yeah, I think that is, that is accurate. And, uh, you know, the, the, the phrase wisdom of the crowds was popularized by uh, James Sirwicky, a uh, New Yorker writer who um, is actually married to a slate staffer. Um, Financial and, page, right? Financial uh, page for the New Yorker magazine. Uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, he writes the financial column uh, each week in the New Yorker. And I uh, wrote the book it's a couple of years ago, Wisdom of the Crowds, which very much kind of, you know, popularized that phrase. Oh, I'm so glad you recommended that because I enjoy his column so much. You know, he recently wrote about the tyranny of features in electronics, consumer mm-hmm. electronics. Did you see that? I didn't. I didn't see that, but I'll look it up now. Uh, he basically said, you know, when you go into the store and and you and you 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 want the the VCR or the DVD or the washing machine with the most features because you think it's actually the best product, but in fact you never use those features and they just wind up frustrating you. So no, you're better true. off. I was uh, trying to set the alarm on my cell phone yesterday, and you know I consider myself of you know perfectly average intelligence, <laughs> and I gave up after a while. It's just, it's uh, it's quite absurd how 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 many sort of thickets of menus you have to navigate. Right. Um, but anyway, so, so you know, uh, Sir Wiki has, has, you know, a, a very coherent picture of what we mean by wisdom of the crowds, which is a large group of people who are acting independently of one another, um, who are very diverse, and who, you know, you know such that when you have um, a very large group, you, you kind of even out a lot of the individual competing ideas and agendas. Um, and, you know, that's just not the model that we see um, on some of these large user-generated sites. Um, and uh, there's actually some very, very uh, interesting ongoing research being done. Um, on, you know, the nice thing about these sites is that they, uh, they make all their data available to them. I think we should give them all the credit in the world, or particularly I'm talking about Wikipedia here. 
um, that you can you know you can download all of Wikipedia uh, if you want and and use it for research purposes on how people behave and it's just an enormously valuable resource. But so it was for the the researchers I, I was speaking to a guy named Ed Chi who's out at the uh, Palo Alto Research Center um, has really gone through and you know it's fairly easy to measure kind of the, the uh, he, he, he tends to measure the number of edits, although he also does it by word count and bite size and other things. And you really do see, in fact, that um, pretty consistently since about 2004, um, 1% of all Wikipedia, uh, all active users on Wikipedia um, contribute about 50% of the edits. It's actually uh, quite surprising how consistent that, that uh, statistic is. And the top 5% um, author somewhere around 80%. So these, in fact, are the, I guess, self-appointed editors of the site. Yeah, that's correct. You know, I, uh, I, I can't say as I um, understand real well kind of what the motivations are, but, you know, I think we, we certainly owe these people our gratitude because they're producing um, what I think is a fantastic product. I'm a big Wikipedia fan. You know, I think we should think about it in the right way, which is kind of what my article is about. But, um, you know, the, the, the product itself is incredible, and, and, and we owe that to, um, you know, this, in, in terms of the site, is a very small percentage of people who, who do a vast, vast majority of the work. What do you think pop, the popular perception is of the content on Wikipedia? Do you think most people think that it's really good content or, or that most people distrust it? Do you have a feel for that? Well, I, you know, I, I like to say that some people love it, some people hate it, and everybody reads it. Um, and, you know, if you were to sort of poll people, I think you would get a, a wide diversity of opinion on, you know, whether they think that, uh, you know, Wikipedia is a valid source of reference, um, and uh, but if you if you observe their behavior, I think you would find that that um, a, you know many 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 people um, go to Wikipedia first, at least as a uh, sort of bouncing off point. Well, um, let me ask you this: I mean, you are a, a journalist at Slate, which is a pretty respected outlet, and you've been at U.S. World, US News and World Report. You've worked in the Beltway um, mm-hmm. as a reporter. What is your perception as a journalist of the content that you find uh, on Wikipedia? Uh, I believe that Wikipedia is very, very accurate. Um, they're, they're, the Nature, the scientific journal, did a study um, in 2005, which I was actually noticing on the comment section of um, my article on Slate, some people were, were arguing with Nature's methodology, but so we should, you know, remember that. But but in general, Nature found that um, a Wikipedia article put up against an Encyclopedia Britannica article was only had only slightly more inaccuracies or um, sort of large omissions um, when reviewed by people knowledgeable in the subject. Um, it, it really held its own. And, um, you know, certainly anecdotally I have found that um, I can rely on Wikipedia as a good starting place for to get, you know, the general scope of, um, of a subject matter. Just, um, I guess, uh, you know, from a, from a philosophical standpoint, um, you know, if, if the pursuit of uh, an objective account of 
any anything that might be listed in, in Wikipedia is the goal. Do you think um, you know co- using tapping collective intelligence to come up with that definition is is inherently better than some sort of journalistic process that has sort of editorial oversight and some organized hierarchy? Sure. Well, that's a great question, and it's you know it it, it you're right that it is. Uh one which, you know, the philosophers will, uh, or have debated for centuries and still, and, and, and will continue to, uh, kind of what the, the role of authority, and not even authority, but, but uh, kind of credentials. Um, you know, Jimmy Wales, the, the founder, co-founder of Wikipedia, has, um, you know, I, I described Wikipedia as kind of anti-credentialist as opposed to, say, anti-authority. Um, and... You know, I, I I wish I had a clear answer. I what what I am confident in saying is that what we're seeing in Wikipedia is not a sort of collective intelligence of an, an extraordinarily large number of people. Um, but it appears, at least, Wikipedia has been around you know a little over five years um, that the model in which um, you know, a sort of small group of people author um, a lot of content and incorporate the work of, you know, that other 99% of Wikipedia contributors, um, that we can produce a model that is pretty accurate and thus far looks like it's getting better. I mean, these things don't happen overnight. Um, so, I, you know, I apologize for <laughs> giving a, a somewhat vague answer, but... Um, you know, for this kind of thing, uh, you know, I do think that um, a the, the model and the dynamic that we see playing out in Wikipedia um, has a lot of potential to be extraordinarily valuable, and perhaps you know more valuable, or and 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 certainly cheaper and easier to produce than, say, Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, the jury really is still out on that question. You think about um, the Founding Fathers writing the Electoral College into our system of government here as a way of protecting us from being swept away by a demagogue. And so you can almost draw a parallel between that and editorial oversight at the, at, at the level of journalism. And so, so could it be that, uh, that these sort of new editors, these self-appointed uh, um, people that are quite active on DIG and, and Wikipedia are in fact providing that that function on these social sites. It's certainly possible, but we should remember that um, you know identity is a very very different concept online. Um, there's, there's an interesting follow out, and in, uh, I'm pretty sure he's out in San Francisco, named Andrew Keene, who wrote a book called Cult of the Amateur. That was you know this sort of book length diatribe against social media. Um, and uh, you know, his his he clearly tapped into something because his his book has done great, and every time I hear from him, he's traveling around the world somewhere to to to, to speak about it. But his um, his big crusade is against anonymity, um, and the idea that when someone is in Wikipedia's case, sometimes as anonymous as as merely an IP address, although you're certainly not going to get the sort of upper level privileges unless you're registered. But even then, just, uh, you know, a, a, a username that, that gives you very little sense for who this person is. Um, the role as, as you know, either a gatekeeper or an editor or a, a kind of, you know, moderator uh, is very different than um, 
if I'm somebody whose name is on the masthead of a publication, um, you know, there there was sort of an embarrassing example of this for the New Yorker in that they did a what I thought was in general a very good Wikipedia article. Um, this must have been about two years ago now, um, and they drew heavily on um, this one editor who was only identified as by his screen name and um, was somebody who was kind of the quintessential obsessive Wikipedia editor who was spending 14 hours a day, identified himself as, I believe, a professor, maybe in Canada. have to look up the details. Anyway, I went up to look up this article um, just to kind of refresh my memory on some of the details when I was writing mine, and I saw that there was this correction uh, down at the very bottom of the article in which um, the editor's note read that, in fact, this editor was not who he said he was. He was actually a very young guy. <laughs> you know, sort of made up the story. Um, and uh, so, you know, we we, uh, we we can't assume that um, the these very uh, sort of active editors are being as forthcoming about conflicts of interest, uh, say, as um, ethically... Uh, editor of a publication would be obligated to do. So now, um, obviously, we're using Dig and Wikipedia as examples of, of you know, why social media may not be all that it's cracked up to be. But, um, you know, is it possible to build a clearinghouse for high-quality user-generated content without giving too much power uh, to elite users? And, and I know you, you wrote about this in, in the story. Um, what did you find? Well, I found, um, you know, there's a lot of models out there, and this is, this is what I find sort of so fascinating about the subject, is that, um, you know, each different model gives us a little bit of a clear insight into how people behave on the web um, and kind of what dynamic of personalities exist what, what, um, and, and, and kind of what motivates people to do what they do. Um, and so the two that I find particularly engaging are um, the moderation system over at Slashdot, the, the hugely uh, read technology blog. I think it's one of the best ones out there. Um, and and then the site called Helium, um, run by a guy named Mark Rinaldi. And uh, So at Slashdot, um, you know, as you, if, if you're a regular reader, and they, they detail this quite clearly on their, on their site, which I'm pretty sure I linked to, um, you, you get points that you can use, you can spend to um, kind of rate other people's comments as you, if you are a regular reader who has been around for a while. Um, you can certainly choose to opt out of the system or just ignore it, but the idea being that you are ordained as a moderator by virtue of being a loyal reader. Um, you don't have to sort of apply, you don't have to be elected, anything like that. But that said, the... Um, the, the, the sort of power that any one person has ever given is very small. And it's actually interesting that, you know, no one ever, I'm fairly certain I'm correct in this, that um, that you're, you're merely rating content and then as a reader you can filter it to see, say, I only want to see comments that have, you know, gotten at least five positive ratings from, from other moderators. So if you, you know, want to read sort of all the crap that people... Uh, write on these comment boards, you're welcome to, but, but it sort of makes it easy for you to read it the way you want to read it, I think it's the phrase that, uh, that the site uses. Um, and so it's interesting in that it doesn't demand 
a whole lot of time for only one person. I mean, it doesn't even allow you to because you you just wouldn't have the, the sort of the right number of points. Um, but you know, I think it works pretty well. Again, it, you know, if you sort of filter it correctly. Um, and you know, but all of these things, you know, we we have to understand are very specific to the community and what works well in Flashdot, which is really only widely read by people who are interested in technology news. Um, you know, may not work on a place like, say, Wikipedia or um, or Dig, which has a much more general interest uh, and and sort of a, a, a much more diverse following, perhaps. Um, and then the other one is, is, is Helium, which uh, uh, this guy Mark Rinaldi, who I've I've met a couple of times, um, he likes to kind of think of it as uh, he says, you know, if um, if, if Wikipedia is they're vaguely like communism, where you know, I mean, not really in any, any literal sense, but but just in the sense that you know, collectively, everyone contributes collectively to one within one article. Everyone's edits go to the same place. You're trying to make a uh, an article that um, you know reflects the inputs of lots of people. And he says, well, in this case, his model is, is capitalism, and um, instead of you and I and, and six other people all contributing to one public document about you know, Yorkshire Terriers. Um, we each write an article, and um, then people vote on which one is the best. And the key to his model, which is why I find it interesting, is that um, you you can't vote on other people's articles, on you know which article you think is the best, until you've written as well. So automatically, and I, I think uh, an article is a minimum of 800 characters, um, which is not that much, but in fact, actually, they may have raised that. It may be like a thousand now, but enough that if you're just kind of wandering through, surfing around, and you know, feel like um, you know, they're voting for your favorite topic, um, but are too lazy to really contribute to the site, then you're probably just going to leave. Um, and then the last thing that that is neat about his model is that you don't get to pick what you vote on. Um, if I write an article on the Philadelphia Phillies, my favorite baseball team, on Helium, then after I've written it and published it, um, the site picks two articles that sort of need rating and says that are of a related topic and say, would you be so kind as to tell us which of these two articles about the San Francisco Giants you think are better? Um, and, you know, it... it some content is better than others on the site. It's still a very young site. It's not a household name by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it's an interesting model in that it, um, you know, kind of tries to simulate these free market values um, in a user-generated content arena and, you know, kind of has a sense of civic participation that, um, you know, other sites, I, th- I think, haven't done such a great job of generating. There was a um, French philosopher by the name of Gustave Le Bon, who I think he was early 1900s. He wrote a book, I remember reading it in college, called The Crowd. Uh-huh. And it was all about uh, the psychology of crowds. And it, it basically argued that um, when people get into crowds, they tend to surrender their individuality to popular sentiment. Yeah, the individuation, the social psychologists call it. And so, what? I, what I, I guess I wonder is if you liken, uh, you know, Wikipedia to perhaps communism. If 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 we if we 
you know, if we all start participating in, in something like Wikipedia or Dig and we start looking there for our information, are we ultimately undermining, you know, the fourth estate? I mean, you know, um, a lot of, of uh, my uh, uh, sort of older journalists who are now out of work would <laughs> probably answer that with a resounding yes. Um, this has not been pretty, you know, for print media in the last 10 years. Um, you know, that's uh, nothing new there. Um, although that, that certainly, I mean, uh, that's not to say that we should point to Wikipedia just for that. I mean, it's, 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 there are thousands of different factors at play here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite confident that, that uh, there will always be a role for um, for publications um, that have um, you know that, that are that are for profit um, commercial publications that um, offer kind of an individual voice these personalities um, they're not they're not anonymous I have no idea what the business model would be and and, and you know I don't think, <laughs> I don't particularly think anybody does. Um, but you know, let's. I mean, let's think about what we don't get from uh, a place like Wikipedia, or um, you know, even something out of the you know, a place like the blogosphere. Is um, you know, we we don't get a lot of voice and personality. In fact, Wikipedia would, I think, you know, discourage that. Um, we could certainly find plenty of voice and personality in the blogosphere, but. The, the amount of waiting that one has to do through, you know, sort of this, the, the, the millions and millions and millions of posts to find one that one likes is, you know, not a trivial process. Um, and, you know, certainly, I guess, last, and this is, is perhaps the most compelling argument for the survival of, of media, is is how exactly the information is generated in the first place. You know, we should remember that Wikipedia has a very, um, you know, pronounced bias against original research. Um, that you're not supposed to contribute your own analysis, your own thoughts, you know, and, and it has this, it, it highly values citation, you know, it's a very um, sort of uh, well-recognized um, you know, citation needed uh, bracket. In fact, I saw something about someone's now made that to a sticker that they stick around. You know, it's, um, and so you know, I wonder um, whether you know. Certainly, if if I were to call, say, the Department of Defense and say, "Hi, my name is Chris Wilson, and I'm here with Wikipedia, or I'm here with Helium.com, or." You know, I'm, I'm reporting for for you know Chris Wilson at Blogspot.com. Um, no one's going to take me seriously. No one's going to call me back. No one's going to give me good information. Um, so there, you know, I'm, I'm confident that that will still be around. You know, whether on the other hand, um, you know, the sort of fourth estate is is the kind of go-to first source for all general knowledge. You know. If it ever was, it probably won't be as much in the future. Chris Wilson with Slate.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I enjoyed it. 
You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, where reporters and journalists go on the record about how they use the web to cover the news. For the latest trends, tips, and tactics on how the web impacts corporate reputations, subscribe to our RSS news feed or visit us online at www.ipressroom.com.